Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. All right, let's get into the Word. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 to 9 says, Paul's talking, I planted the... Talk with me, right? I planted the... And Apollos, his friend and co-laborer in the gospel, is he watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will each be rewarded according to their own labour, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. It's saying sometimes we're sharing Jesus we're doing moments like this, and it's a seed. May not see a harvest today. May not see all the results of what happens today. But we planted a seed, amen? Behind me is a whole lot of seed. And sometimes you don't even realise that someone else had already planted the seed, but you just came along and watered it. What you thought maybe was a first-time moment for someone was actually just part of what God's bigger plan was already doing, and He watered it. And then it says, who makes it grow? God makes it grow. Let me tell you a story about someone in our church. Someone I love, he's part of our Salisbury campus. He's just done two years of internship in Bible college with us. His name is Ryan. This is Ryan. And uh, Ryan's a great 25-year-old lad who just has a great personality, loves people, actually leads uh, our Saints program in our, in our Salisbury campus, helping our, our year sevens and eights and nines uh, learn more about God. He's a great example, leads people to Jesus. I love Ryan, personality to the max. And you look at Ryan and think life's pretty good. Well, when he was younger, life was pretty difficult. In fact, he didn't get to do life just with his parents as normal and as many people get to do, and actually was brought up from about six months old all the way to 11 years old by his great-grandma that took him in, adopted him and cared for him and loved him, brought, her, brought him up in the, the best home that she could. But the truth was she didn't have much. She'd already brought up her children and, and, uh, and now was stepping in for that role of grandma, great-grandma and mum, but was also quite sick. So as he's going through life and it's difficult and they didn't have much money, not, you know, the, just the, some of the things that we take for granted, the same nurture and care and support systems, there was a group called Prison Fellowship. And it is fantastic to have Prison Fellowship with us today and, and Second Chances that make a huge difference in kids' lives. And can we just welcome them one more time that, that, that are here? And what they would do is they would take kids that... Um, that maybe had a parent or two parents in prison and they would take them on camps and, and they'd spend time and share the love of Jesus. And Ryan would say, like, he couldn't work it out while these people would, like, put up with him because, you know, he'd swear at them, he'd try and kick them and, and probably not listen at all. And yet somehow they just kept on inviting him back and he said these camps made all the difference. And they said what they would do is at birthdays and especially at Christmas, they would get presents from who knows where and they would go around to these kids and give them a present. Well, Ryan at about, he says about eight or nine, went to one of these camps near Christmas time and they gave him this motorbike that he found out later came from someone at Futures Church. Back when he was about eight or nine years old. 
back then influences, back then paradise, maybe Clemsic, who knows, okay? But either way, he gave, gave, got given a present. It's just a, a motorbike, and, and I wouldn't know the details of his motorbike, but if he was here, he could tell you exactly what type of motorbike is and the model and all of it. And he says, to this day, that little motorbike, all these years later, is on his bedside table next to his bed. And when he explains why it's there, it's because when he was a kid, for some reason, when he was going through it all and didn't have much and could have been quite hopeless, a little motorbike gave hope. That a person that we may never know who, we don't, went to maybe Target or Woolies or Big W or Kmart or wherever they went, and they thought, I'm gonna buy a little BMW motorbike for a kid that I'll never meet. And we often don't end up hearing the end stories or the seeds that were planted and what happened and how it works or seeing the fruit. But Ryan is literally in our church helping kids go on their walk with Jesus because when he was a child, an organisation like Prison Fellowship, Second Chances, loved him because a church was generous and kind. Amen? Isn't that awesome? We're actually gonna film Ryan. He'll tell his story much better than I've told it. But... You know what we didn't do? We didn't give him the present and say, would you now sign up to join in a church? <laughs> we didn't say, here's the present, would you confess that Jesus is Lord and Saviour? We didn't give him a card back then that said, here's, we love your details to stay in connection, Ryan. It was just someone you never know from a church you've never been to wants to bless you and tell you that you're loved. Everyone, these cards, will, presents will go with a, with a card and something that just tells them that they matter to God and that there's a church that loves them. It's a seed. More than a motorbike or a, or a toy or a friendship or a meal, what we're doing is we're giving a seed to show the love of Jesus to these people. Who loves Jesus here? Who knows they're loved by Jesus here? Like, how incredible is it? Just for a moment, can we just stop? How incredible is it for a moment? We sometimes forget how amazing it is that we know we're loved by Jesus. Sometimes we're like, how much do you know about Jesus? Or how can you talk about Jesus? Or, or how can you explain? But no, just for a moment, you are loved by Jesus. And today for us, that should be enough. That He gets us. I am amazed with all of my complexities. God gets me and He loves me and He accepts me. And for every one of you, with your complexities and oddness too, He loves you as well. And, and every good characteristic and every feature and everything that's wonderful about you, He put in you. And every gift in your life, every child you have, every friend you have, every parent, everything that brings you joy, the home you live in, the fact that you're here in Australia, the house you live in, the, whatever it is, that, that gift doesn't just come to you, that comes from Jesus, that we are blessed and that with all my failings, He would forgive me and accept me. And every time I get it wrong, when I look at my past and my mistakes, somehow He looks past that, just overwhelmed by His love and grace for my life. And that He would give me not just what I have now, but I can stand here and have hope for my future. That, that I don't know, we just sold a house and I have no clue, we don't have a home. Yeah, I'm not worried because I know it's in His hands. And, 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 and that you've got lounge rooms and, and, that, uh, and that, that maybe 
without a job today, but you can stand here and go, but I have a future because I have Jesus. And, and there may be a, a report that says your body's not doing too well right now, but there can be hope because Jesus gives hope as healer. And that ultimately one day, after we've lived this life for however many days or years it is, that I know that I don't just shut my eyes one day, but that I have hope forevermore because I know Jesus and Jesus loves me. And sometimes we get familiar. But isn't He wonderful? Isn't He kind? And not only that, we have the church. Who loves the church? And, and, and we talked last week about Naomi who had Ruth and Ruth was broken, but Naomi who didn't have to solve it all for her just said, I know a place and I know a people. Now they're in that place. She didn't make him have a conversation with Boaz. She just pointed Ruth in the right direction to glean. How good's the church? So people can come in and you can sit at the front, sit at the back, lift your hands, sit down, stand up, have coffee, don't have coffee, do whatever you wanna do, be whoever you wanna be, but you can come in and just ask questions or not ask questions. You can just be, you can just glean. But ultimately our hope is that you would see Jesus. And that once we do, we get to come in together and grow together because none of us have made it, but we're all growing. And we can belong no matter what our personality or history or background is that we can all contribute no matter what our giftings are, there's a place for you. Like, how wonderful is the church? I think the church is, is the epicenter of one anotherness. Everyone say, well, one anotherness. You've said it well. It's, it's, I looked up one time all the one another's in the scripture and let me show you for a moment. This is what the church does. It loves one another and, and greets one another and shows humility to one another and prays for one another and confesses our sins to one another. It stirs one another up to love and good works and encourages one another and comforts one another and that we're patient with one another and we submit to one another and that we count one another more significant than ourselves, that we're kind to one another. We carry one another's burdens. We serve one another. Another. We outdo one another in showing honour. We build up one another. When you say a word so often, it doesn't feel like a real word anymore, but that's what's happening with one another in my head. Uh, we build up one another. We counsel one another. We live in harmony with one another. We forgive one another. We teach and admonish one another and, and we're at peace with one another. That, that we do this in the house and out of the house. We do them in your houses and here in church. How good is the church? Some of you maybe need convincing today. And when we look at this and we wonder if Jesus is so good and His church, while we're imperfect, is so wonderful, why don't more people follow us into relationship with Jesus? Today, what I'm gonna talk about, I want, like for you and me, because this, the Holy Spirit has to challenge me on this before I come and share with you. I often don't share out of, look at me, I've made it. It's out of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Josh, how are we going? And... Uh, I gotta ask myself, what are not more people follow me sometimes to church? What are sometimes I feel confronted when it comes to sharing Jesus? Why isn't the first thing we wanna tell people when they look at us and they ask questions about us, what Jesus did for us? Why does that feel so like a big step? I have to be so deep with them and so far into relationship and the perfect circumstances and angels playing the harp to be able to just come and say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done. Why? Why does it feel so difficult to, when they look at the goodness in my life or the, my family or, or, or my job or, or why I have hope when I shouldn't have hope to be able to point to Jesus? 
Why is it so rare that he's not just part of normal conversation, no matter where we are, no matter who we're talking to? Why sometimes when people ask about our weekend, will we happily tell them about our Christmas shopping and our Christmas party and, and what we, the restaurant we ate to, but we skip past church? We don't talk about the people and the moments and the conversations and what it does for us. I've got to ask yourself that, why is it? And sometimes, and we'll get here in a moment, it's not the main point for right now, is I think sometimes we just get familiar. And we say, how wonderful is Jesus? And we'll go, yeah. But do we really remember and live with a full awareness of how wonderful Jesus is? And do we have passion for him? And does his love and grace just flow through every part of our life? And for all of us, we all get lukewarm. We, we, we all get familiar. If I can, we get cold and we think our relationship and our worship and this is maybe just for us. But let's pause on that for a moment because I actually think it's something else as well. I think it actually is sometimes because we don't know how to share Jesus and we don't know how to explain what I've experienced and we don't know how to have all the answers for all the kind of questions that people are going to have and we don't know how to argue with what they believe is maybe different to what I believe. Like, and if I were to talk to someone about a, a car and, and sometimes guys get together and they talk about their cars and they, or a motorbike and, they, and they'll talk about the engine and the... I, I, that's literally all I've got. And, 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 and I literally was thinking, what else is there as an exhaust? But you know, and I couldn't, and I can tell you the, the kilowatts and the, 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 anyway, talk to Tony, he gets it all. And, and, but, but for me, I feel intimidated. So if there's a car conversation, you'll see me try and back out. You'll see me talk about anything else. You'll see me do anything else. I, I, because I just don't have the answers and I feel like I can't contribute to the conversation. And that if they ask me something, I won't know what to say. And that intimidation makes me pull back. And I think this is what happens with people in our workplaces and families and schools where wondering that, like, sure, we've got something we believe, but maybe they believe something different. Like, as a church, we are, we are called to love everyone. Uh, that is the mission of the church, but there's topics that are going around like, you know, about marriage. And we absolutely unashamedly believe that God created marriage between a man and a woman. We believe that. And, 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 but we love everyone. And, but someone else might have a different point of view. And then I'm like, but if that comes up in conversation, but doesn't the church believe, we don't know how to talk about it. And maybe it's not that, maybe it's something about like the war that's going on all around the world. But if God is good and sovereign and in control, how come things are so out of control? And at that point, we're like, what if I misrepresent God? What if I don't remember the scripture? What if I don't know how to explain? And we know that could come, so we better not share. What, what, what if someone, maybe they lost their grandma or their parent and they were ill or sick or tragedy happened and maybe you're going through the same thing and you're asking the same questions. So if they ask me and I don't know the answers and I'm journeying myself, I better not even enter the conversation because what if I get it wrong? What if I meet someone and I talk about the church but they were hurt by the church, which means they were hurt by people and I don't have the answers or maybe I've experienced hurt too and maybe I'm stuck in. And what happens is we end up just having a relationship with God personally, but then not knowing what to say publicly. And I wanna say for, mo for nearly all of us and in a lot of circumstances, you won't have all of the answers. I wanna take the weight off today that you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know how to win all the arguments. You don't have to have the one-liners and you don't have to have all the statements 
right now. And we read things like about the Apostle Paul, which is in Scripture for a purpose. We'll put it up, it says, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the temple synagogue. And there they spoke so effectively with a great number of Jews and a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. And you're like, there's no chance I can speak effectively. So I'm not like Paul, so therefore I have to wait until the perfect moment and I know enough. Read something else like in Acts chapter 9, verse 22. It says, Yet Saul, who's Paul, grew more, grew more and more powerful. And he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And you're like, I'm not doing any proving. I'm not doing any baffling. And then seven verses later, it goes on and it says he talked and debated with the Jews, but they tried to kill him. And you don't wanna die. And you certainly don't wanna die of embarrassment so that you're just like, this is gonna kill me if I do this. So I'm not even gonna try and enter into the conversation. But today I just wanna take the pressure off you, especially going into the season where sharing Jesus and and where literally He's at the centre of everything, where the people realise it. You go past the shops and the nativity scene's right there in the window. It's on the Christmas cards. It's being played all over the radio. He goes through Westfield and they're singing songs that glorify Jesus. Oh, come all you faithful. Born is the King. I mean, there's moments like this. It is the time to show the love of Jesus. But that doesn't mean you have to be an apologist. It doesn't mean you have to have the fivefold ministry gift of being an evangelist. Let me say clearly, we are all called, the Bible makes it clear, to show and share Jesus. I'm not saying you're not called. There's no whole pass for you. If you know Jesus, you're meant to show and share the love of Jesus. I mean, it says it will show. How, how are they meant, it says, how then can they call on the one, Romans says, that they've not believed in it, and how can they believe in the one they've not heard? Your responsibility is to provide every opportunity for people to see and know the love of Jesus. But we hear this and I think we overcomplicate things. Like, let's give an example. We're all called to be witnesses. There's so many scriptures that refer to this. Acts chapter one, verse eight says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. I'll make it clear. It does not say the word lawyer. And sometimes what we hear in our head is if I'm gonna be a witness for Jesus, I have to be a lawyer for Jesus. See, a lawyer is someone that has well-articulated statements that has thought about their entry point and their exit point. They have all of the arguments. They have all of the facts. They have all of the understanding. And their point is to win the argument, is to, at the end of it, there is gonna be someone that is right and someone that is wrong. And we feel the pressure when the conversation comes up inevitably that will deal with some of the issues that you don't know how to tackle or want to tackle, that at that point, you have to show them how you're right and they're wrong. But that's not what you're called to be. You're called to be a witness. A witness merely just comes and represents what they know to be true. They just merely have to show and display just what they have experienced personally in their life. You are not called to be judge over anyone and you are not called to be a lawyer for Jesus. You are called to be a witness of what Jesus has done in your life personally. You're not there to represent someone else's story. You're not there to represent what Jesus did for someone else. All you have to do is have an awareness of what Jesus has done for you and simply be a witness. Amen? Matthew 5, 16. Says there, it says, let your light, everyone say light. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. We said this around starting our wellness clinic that if you were to get a light like a torch in a dark place and shine it in someone's eyes, what will they do? Turn away. Sometimes we feel I have to have a light that I walk up to someone and say, 
darkness and hope that at that point, all of a sudden, now I can see. There are moments of supernatural turn, but this is not talking about shining a light in someone's eyes. This is wherever you are, let your life be on display in such a way, like a city on a hill, not covered or hidden, that people would look to you and say, there's something good in your life. There's something of hope and light in your life. This is what the gospel is. What we're sharing is not an argument. It's good news. It's just simply the good news of what Jesus has done for you personally is what you are required to show. It wasn't the good news. We're gonna no doubt you at some point through the next month, you'll hear the angel's message to the shepherds. It was hope to all mankind. It wasn't that people would suddenly have a commitment to fellowship. He actually, they look at the angels, they actually allowed the shepherds to go on their own journey. They allowed the wise men to go and discover for themselves. It was an invitation to hope. So the question today for us, if all of us are required to share, the first question is not can you convince, it's a question of are you convinced? It's not about when you go into your workplace and family this Christmas, your neighbourhood, your school, university, in the last days we have at school. It's not, can you convince people to follow Jesus? It actually is a question of, are you convinced yourself about the love of Jesus? Are you convinced about the one he gave his life for, his church? And it is this question, are the people in your world not convinced themselves yet, it's are they convinced that you're convinced that Jesus is the greatest thing in your life? Or is he just a part of our life? Is he just a person we meet with on Sunday? Is the church just a thing you do religiously or are they convinced that you're convinced that Jesus and his church has changed your life? Like, have you ever gone to a great restaurant? And I mean, and, yeah, I love that. And, you're, and the truth is, you can't help but go, yes. And you can't help but tell people, you gotta try this restaurant. Like a couple weeks ago, Shans and I jumped on a plane, paid for a ticket, went over to Perth, and we went to see a band called Coldplay. And, and, I, and we loved it. And we waited six, nine months for tickets. And, and, and I went there, and if you know me, if you're friends with me, if you follow me on any form of social media, you would have seen I went to this concert and I loved it. Now. I've had people come and have a conversation with me. Should you be going to a band that's not Christian? Do you know everything they represent? Da, da, da. And to be honest, and thank you for every opinion and thought and all that sort of stuff. I'm not trying to convince you to like it. You though are convinced that I do. And all I, and because I talk about it and I have conversations about it and I walk around the players going para, para, para and I'm singing. People around me just are aware that I like Coldplay. And, and, and because it's in my life, it comes through my life. Now, the couple of things I've observed since going to see that show and talking about that show and, and, and all the rest is, is, that, is that you might be aware that, and you are now, and if you're close to me, you would know without a doubt I went to that show. Unashamedly, I went. But on the other side, 
Without me trying to convince anyone, I've had so many people that have now gone and bought tickets when they go to Melbourne and Sydney. Later on next year, they're paying their own money. They're going to book flights. They're going over to see them. And they've let me know that they've made a decision to two follow Coldplay and go to the show and experience what I experienced, not because I convinced them, not because I told them to do it, but just because they saw me enjoy something and have a passion in my life. Now, if that's a flipping band, that will come and go that I've never met, that I may never go to again, that the experience is gone and it's now out of my life. How much more should the love and the grace and the passion of Jesus flow through His church in such a way that when people see you, they know you've had a recent encounter with God, that you've been in worship. Your job is not to convince them. Some will love, some won't. Some will follow, some won't. But it's your responsibility to let a passion and a zeal for the one you love and the place you're a part of to be seen and experienced through your life in such a way that people could make a decision for themselves. Um, uh, you might say I have a zeal. I have a passion. Like what? Uh, Romans 8 says, I am convinced. And it goes on to talk about nothing can separate me from the love of God. It doesn't say, have you convinced? It doesn't say, who are you convincing? You know what this starts with? Being a witness, being light, is just having a conviction and a persuasion yourself that nothing can separate me. I, I, I love Basketball, you guys know that because I talk about it, because I love it. And part of that is I love shoes and I love buying basketball shoes. And, and, and I don't tell people to go buy the shoes I should buy. I just like buying some shoes from time to time. Every birthday in August, I get a couple pairs of shoes and I look after them, they last, and I've and I got some nice shoes. And you know what I found without telling any of your children ever to go and buy shoes, when they get brand new shoes and they walk in the church to the foyer, I so often have kids walk in and they go like this. And they don't have to say a thing. It's like, and I'm like, they're awesome. And I tell you what, I, 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 I'm not, I don't, I don't, whatever they want, whatever they do, it's your, your life, your kid. But, but they, they, they just know without me even having to tell them, they're in kids' church. They're not in here here, but somehow they find out that Josh likes his shoes. And it's amazing that when there's just a bit of a passion, people will realise that you have a passion. And when they see you, they'll be like, hey, I've got a question too. Actually, I wanna know too. So the question's not, have you convinced? It really is a question of, are you convinced? Because your passion and your love and your interest and your belief, it should be contagious. In fact, I think your conviction in, is more contagious and more effective than a good argument. And some of us are thinking, that my argument should win people to Jesus. Let your life win people to Jesus first. And for those that aren't showing and sharing and discussing who Jesus is in normal part of life, because He's in every part of your life, and when we are afraid of doing that because we feel I have to have a good argument, it's not about your argument. You're allowed to not know all the answers, but you have to show Jesus. Are you doing okay? It's like if someone wants to get married. I said every single person. You don't have to get the boldness up to convince someone to marry you. In fact, if you've got to convince someone to date you, there's a problem. I'm convinced 
that the best way to attract someone to you is to live your best single life. It's to live your life with passion and zeal and do the things you're passionate about and love God and love people and invest yourself in the person you are and the passion God gave you. And what will happen is people will naturally be attracted to who you are. I actually think it's the same with God. When it comes to following Jesus, be live your best Christian life, but include Him in every part of your life. Allow your passion and zeal for Him to be on display and more than having to convince people, people, will be attracted to the light in your life. And the keys will come. It helps to an inevitable end. In John chapter nine, we see a man and he's blind and he's been blind since birth and he has an encounter with Jesus and Jesus heals his eyes and he can see. But now there's all these people that have known him for years and they want an explanation. They've got questions. They want him to give judgment on who Jesus is. So even the religious leaders of the day come to him and say, well, who is the man that healed you? Is he a sinner? Is he the Messiah? And what they're saying is we need you to convince us on the person that you had an encounter with. And this man who's just found Jesus doesn't have all of the arguments, doesn't have all the statements, doesn't have all the theology, but he says this, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But this one thing I know, I was blind and now I see. And that I was lost and now I found. That I was stuck and Jesus changed my life. That, that, I had, that, I, that I was broken and I still am, yet somehow I know He's healing me. And that I should be hopeless because I know what it is to have pain and lack and confusion and fear, yet somehow in my life I have hope. It's not about, well done, you've got all the arguments. No, it's just I was blind. And now I see that I know who I was and I know who I am with Jesus. So it leads us to the question, can the people in the world, your world see the difference in you? which again is not conviction, but it should flow through your life if Jesus has changed you. And that means there will be normal conversation in which Jesus should flow through to point to how He's changing you. Because we do have to share. 1 Peter says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Key part is, if they see hope, they'll ask for the reason. They'll ask it in different ways, but they're gonna ask. So you've gotta be prepared for an answer, but it's not the first step. The first step is just to show hope. It's just to show love. It's just to talk about the goodness of what maybe happened this weekend or what's going on or the people you do life with. And then it says this, but do this with gentleness and respect. So at some point, if we're, filled with passion and zeal for Him and His house, we're gonna show. So if we're gonna show, we're gonna need some steps. And then we're like, but then I need to be able to have a good 10, 15, 20 minute conversation to help them. And I don't know what to always say, but I don't think that's how it works. Um, again, I'm, I'm not good with cars. I'm not good with fixing things. It's just not me. So let's say I wanted to fix a washer and a tap. Washers are in taps, right? Yeah, we're good. Uh, and, and if I wanted to do it myself, you know what I'd do? I would jump on YouTube. And I'd watch YouTube to work out how to do it. But there's no way I'm going to the long video. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna find the 30 second video. <laughs> 
And I watched the 30 second video because that's just gonna show me if it's possible. And if I watch the 30 second video, what I might do is then find a two minute video that just gives me a little more detail that might just give me hope. (laughs) And if I can just get a little bit more hope, there's a good chance I'm gonna go watch the 10 minute video that gives me a step-by-step instruction on what to do next. Now, absolutely, if I'm gonna be a plumber, I would think there's at least a 30 minute video out there that's gonna help me to do this now efficiently and with understanding. Now, when Jesus shines through you and people look at you and they wanna understand what's different about you, you don't give them the 30 minute version. Start with a 30 second version. Can you have a 30 second story that you've thought through what God's done in your life? Can you be ready with just 30 seconds of conversation that just sparks an interest that maybe not that day, but maybe with gentleness and respect at the right time, they might ask you for the next version and you give them the two minute version. Because that's gonna show hope, but it's not gonna give all the answers. And you're not meant to give all the answers, but you've gotta be able to talk about your life. And that just maybe leads to a 10 minute conversation. But at that point, you're like, I don't know what else to say, I'm out. I've used all the examples and all the thoughts. I just talked for 10 minutes. That's great for me. Then there's an opportunity to invite them to a conversation like we're having today that maybe goes for about 30 minutes. And maybe it's where people that partner with you, the church that walks with you, that meets them on a door and offers them a coffee and shows them kindness. And maybe someone that stands in a place like this can explain in a little bit more detail what Jesus has done for them in ways that maybe you don't know how to. And together we partner because one sows the seed, one waters, but God grows the harvest. Amen? Doesn't mean we will agree on every. I'm just trying to help you take the weight off. Are you doing okay? You won't have all the, we're not always gonna agree. The gospel is offensive. It's offensive to old thinking. It's offensive to the way the world thinks. Our mission is not always to get on the same page, it's to show the love of Jesus. I mean, look at the rich young ruler. What Jesus asked him to do was offensive to his way of life and his comfort. And Jesus didn't try to convince him to change and follow him right there but it says he loved him. And somehow the rich young ruler, because of Jesus' love, was attracted to Jesus. It doesn't show all the next parts of the story. I bet Jesus never gave up on that kid, but he loved him. The disciples, when they were sent out two by two into towns to share Jesus, we know they didn't have all the answers because you read the next chapters when they got back with Jesus, they were pretty clueless. So if they couldn't stand there and give a big theological argument to how He was and who He was, what did they do? They must have gone out there and be filled with so much zeal and passion for Jesus, it just flowed through them. That they were loving and kind and hopeful and somehow that led others to not follow them, to follow Jesus. Which leads me to this last question and we'll finish. If we don't have to always have all the arguments and all the answers, It leads us to this thought, how's my zeal? How's my passion? Because as you go into your Christmas dinners and your end of year functions and the last days of school and university and your families and workplaces, you may not know exactly what to say, but will they see the hope of Jesus in your life and through your words? Will they hear about the goodness of the church and the grace of family and the kindness of Jesus through your life when they look at you and ask what's been happening? How are you? How are you?
which leads us to go, have I gotten a little bit familiar? Have I got a little bit lukewarm? Have I got a little bit comfortable? Church, uh, we often stand here and pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that allows us and enables us to share Jesus. So a picture of the Holy Spirit is oil, right? Or power, fuel. But there has to be a fire for the oil to go on for it to burn. So we can pray, Holy Spirit, anoint us. But unless there's outward zeal and passion and love, the Holy Spirit works through you, not just for you. He's working on your behalf, but He's working through your example and through your life. So this question, we can pray for the anointing, but I believe the Holy Spirit would say, but how's your passion? How's your zeal? Are we half in or are we all in? Jesus said this, He talks to His church. He's like, I just think you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. I mean, inevitably, at the end of this year, Shans and I are gonna try and get to the beach as much as we possibly can. And you know what? Shans doesn't like getting in cold water. So often what will happen is she stands back on the beach and she watches me. And if I am standing there half in, up to my knees, I'm kind of in, I'm kind of out, I'm kind of guarding myself, I'm kind of standing a little bit like this and I'm going, babe, come in, it's awesome, you'll love it. She is not convinced. The only way I have a hope of not convincing her, because you cannot convince her to get in the water, of her making the decision to follow me in, is I have to boldly be all in. (laughs) Is that I have to make a decision, I love it, I'm in and I'm going in. And I have to have so much joy and passion out there in the water that eventually she makes the decision, if she makes the decision to come in with me. When we go into all the places we're gonna go, are are we partying? Are we all in? Are we inviting people for something and hoping people ask to be part of something that we're not showing that we're really enjoying or loving? Or is there a passion and a zeal that burns afresh that says, oh, He's good, I'm convinced. And maybe on the journey, our light will shine. The Holy Spirit does His work. And whether it be a seed or whether it be watering, God does what He does. See, in this next time, how do you do this? You just gotta spend time with Him. You gotta fall in love afresh. You gotta be aware again. You gotta be conscious that when you go, let me me burn with passion and zeal for Jesus. And then trust that the Holy Spirit will do what the Holy Spirit does. How grateful am I for someone maybe 12, 13 years ago that bought a little motorbike and put it under a tree, not knowing that seed would one day not only be watered, but would grow a harvest in a young man's life that now part of this church, doing internship, following God, is making a difference in other people's lives and has won some of his family, won some of his friends and are winning young people to Jesus. How good is God? Come on, isn't He wonderful? And I bet this, the person that put the motorbike would never know. These next weeks, you just never know how you are in the shops and how you are around tables and how you are in workplaces and how you are in work parties that plants a seed that one day could have an eternal difference in Jesus' Name, Amen? amen? So let me pray for you. First today, I just wanna pray for anyone that doesn't know Jesus. He is good. And I pray that today as you've been with us, that you would see hope, that you would see there's a passion on the inside of us, that there's a love, not because we're worthy or we're we're more righteous or better, but just because Jesus loves us as He loves you. And that changes us in a way that we wanna make a difference in other people's lives like we've done today. Not because we're just good people, but because we realise that Jesus is so good.
I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.